everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In the Gun, episode number 24 here. It's time for an Iowa State recap. Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, the signal caller Jed Drenning and the runaway beer truck Owen Schmidt. This episode of ITG brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, college sports, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. Gentlemen, how we doing? Uh... Glad to be alive. Well, I know something that's not alive. <laughs> yep, it's brown, it's down, son. And that's, uh, says the guy who works for the brown, you know? <laughs> it's that time of year, right, Owen? You can't grill it if you don't kill it. Yeah, it's that time of year. So our boy was late because he was tracking across the countryside for the better part of four hours as a deer bled out on him. Yeah, you, you gotta. That's why you always practice the old uh, shots before you go out. I figured, hey, it's been, uh, it was good last season. I figured I'll just get it out. And I ended up, yep, taking a bad hit on a deer and uh, ended up going for a magical trip through the woods with uh, my offense corner, Os- Isaac Osborne, down here at Greenbrier. We thought we'd do something cool for the boys and, uh, Get him a deer and do some chili, some some back straps and, and a roast, and uh, we went on a journey for sure. That you did, that you did. This uh, this season has been a journey. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Jed, I, I know as you like to do here though on the uh, the first episode of the week, take a look real quick, briefly at the new top twenty five across college football. We'll pull up the graphic now, and we've got a new number one. Yeah, we do. Uh, of course, what we're looking at here is the AP top 25 and the coaches poll top 25. Uh, but we've reached the time of year where uh, it's kind of rendered meaningless on Tuesday as Tuesday night, the new playoff ranking will drop each week. Um, but uh, interesting things uh, unfolding in, in some of these top two polls is I still think they have a pretty direct influence on the playoff ranking. Uh, it's nice to see TCU surviving the war of attrition and climb into the top five. They now sit at number four. You kind of wondered how the committee was going to handle Alabama um, losing the way they did on the road in a tight game in overtime to LSU. Well, LSU's now up to number seven. Bama dropped to number 10. That's in the Associated Press. Bama actually and the coaches dropped out of the top 10. Uh, And then elsewhere in the Big 12, some interesting goings on. Texas found a way to do something they heretofore hadn't had a lot of success with under Steve Sarkeesian, and that's leave Austin and beat a good football team. And so they did that and held on. I watched it on the plane on the way back from uh, from Iowa, actually. Uh, and they held on for a big one at K-State. So they're now back in the top uh, 20 at uh, 18. And, uh, and then when you look at uh, K-State, they've actually dropped, dropped to 23. That's in the Associated Press. But but uh, Oregon, again, Oregon just keeps on chugging. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, irrespective of what they do or don't do, they'll be blocked out by the nature of that loss, Okay. Uh, not all losses are created equal early in the season or otherwise. The 49 to 3 loss to Georgia, but they haven't lost since then. They won eight straight. So now they find themselves perched right outside of the top five at number six in the Associated Press. But let's see how it shakes out in the uh in the uh playoff ranking because last week was the first time to my knowledge you had a one versus one in the sense that 
Tennessee was number one in the playoff rankings. Georgia was number one in the AP. So let's see what the uh, playoff rankings hold on Tuesday night. But it's always uh, it's always a week to week thing this this time of year. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to hang on. You know, a team like Ohio State, right? It wasn't pretty for them at times against Northwestern and in those weather conditions uh, there in, in in Illinois. But uh, they're able to get a win. Alabama falls. Tennessee falls. You you just gotta survive. TCU. Uh, you just got to hang around, and uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out here over the next three weeks, certainly, as we come down the stretch of this regular season. Uh, Jed, before we go to break, at the 50, uh, anything specific you want to talk to us about that you saw on the trip, saw on the field, something quirky, something X's and O's wise, what, what do you got for us this week? Well, we we stayed at a different venue than we had at any point in Iowa. Normally, we stay in West Des Moines. This was the first trip in which we did, and we actually played in this, stayed in this small town. Uh, small, it might have 20,000 right at the check, but Ankeny, uh, Iowa, which is a little closer to, to uh, Ames, about 25 minutes out. But we got up Thursday, or excuse me, Saturday morning. Guys, it was low 30s, raining like crazy, windy, nasty, freezing. But you had to keep an eye on the hourly weather projection because it was supposed to be nice by kickoff. So I, I kind of packed and dressed accordingly. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, <laughs> as bad as it was when we got there, those flags are always howling next to the press box, too. I mean, that stadium really takes in some wind. But by kickoff, to their credit, they recently resodded that field. They actually, Owen brought farm grass in from two or three miles from campus and completely resodded it recently. And they had it covered with a nice tarp. And it wasn't until a couple hours before kickoff, they, they pulled the tarp off and it was ideal. The conditions turned out to be ideal. Everything was ideal except the game. Uh, the field was in good shape. The conditions were great. The sun was out. Uh, but uh, that was about the only positive. I, I always think to myself, they've done some renovations even since the last time we were there in 2020. When we leave our locker room, which used to be the home locker room, uh, back when we first moved into the Big 12, it was Iowa State's locker room. Now we're in it. What used to be, we'd walk down out of the tunnel down to the corner of the end zone, right next to the grassy knoll full of Iowa State fans on blankets, like early days Mountaineer Field, right? Well, they've since closed that in. So there's more seating even built in there. But uh, there's, there's a lot of renovations that have taken place in that building. When we first started going there, guys, back in 2012, 2014, it was open-ended on both sides. Well, now the other end is completely enclosed with seating expansion, and they've done a nice job. But, but uh, again, big crowd, nice crowd. They had 56,000, uh, you know, for a team that was 0-5 in the uh, Big 12 going into the game. Uh, they turn out. I mean, their fans do that. It's, it's always impressive. Uh, and they're into it. They're energized. They're dialed in. Nice student section. Uh, a lot of energy on the field. But, uh, you know, we'll talk throughout the course of the show uh, about what didn't didn't happen. But uh, not a whole lot of good stuff played out for us. Uh, I'm not so sure at field level it looked any more or less appealing than it did on TV. And it was it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch. Uh, it certainly was. But it was uh, tough, tough for us to watch. I'm sure it was tough to, to watch there in person as well, too. Good thing Owen was, and I didn't make that trip to Ames that we were talking about in the Yeah, very good so. thing. Yeah, very good thing. I, that would have been a long time, drive. Talking home, about so Wes. Every yeah. time it was a road game, I wish I had made the trip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if uh, our luck would have uh, helped out. I don't. I don't week. think so. I would. Not I was willing to try anything. Unless you could have strapped it up and yeah. gotten back out there. Yeah. I was willing to try anything, but uh, no. It's Xavier Hutchinson. I'll say this in person uh, again. I was impressed by him before. I'm impressed by him again. Great route runner, shifty feet, very slick. Uh, they move him around, but up close, it's 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 uh, it's kind of. He's kind of artful when you watch him up close at field level. It's that's something that maybe on the coach's tape I couldn't appreciate as much, and I was reminded of of what he looks like in person. That's that's one of the things that jumps out to me. Uh, but uh, outside of that, moving on. We are going to move on. We'll get into a, a full Iowa State recap for you here in just a few minutes. But first, when we come back on the other side every week on our preview shows, we make some predictions. We make some projections. We will revisit those and see how we did last week. I got to tell you, somebody on this show hit another home run and uh, is uh, starting to pull away from the field. But we'll talk about that when we return on the other side. You are in the gun. 
I'm talking with J.R. Toothman of Toothman Ford. J.R., everybody knows a lot of pro athletes buy from you. What's the secret? Just like Will Greer, future Hall of Famer Frank Gore, James Washington, and many more pros, these guys have financial advisors that are always looking out for them to save time and money, and that's why they always shop at Toothman Ford. And what if you're like us regular folks that don't have people giving us advice? You don't need a financial advisor. Toothman Ford will save you time and money no matter who you are. Plus, we'll buy your car even if you don't buy from us. Visit ToothmanFord.com and get a quick, instant cash offer. That sounds like a score to me. That's right. And as always, we'll take anything in trade from chicken wings to Super Bowl rings. Toothman Ford's got a lot of fans. Here's another one. Dallas Cowboys QB, Will Greer. This is Will Greer, former West Virginia and current NFL quarterback. And cars really do cost less than Grafton at Toothman Ford. That's a fact, Will. Thanks. You can shop online anytime at ToothmanFord.com. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here. It's time to take a look and see how we did last week. We make some predictions. We make some projections. We'll start with the projections. We just talked about the top 25, uh, some big moving and shaking there. Alabama going down, Georgia going down. Let's uh, let's pull up our graphic now, take a look back at those top 25 games that we projected last week, Jed, and how close did we get here? Bama going down, Georgia going up, Wes. But what, what happened was Georgia – uh, seemed to some like a heavy favorite going into that game. They were they were favored by eight ish right in that ballpark, and turns out that was on point. We projected a 37-28 Bulldogs win. As you can see, the actual result on the right, they won 27 to 13 by a couple touchdowns at home between the hedges. There, Alabama went to LSU uh, again. Another one that I was flipping back and forth on the plane watching on the flight back. What a last half of the fourth quarter in that game. Great overtime, big decision by uh, Brian Kelly to go for two in the win, and it worked out. We projected, as Alabama was favored by 13, a 35-21 win. We said it would be something like that. As it turns out, LSU won in overtime, 32-31. And then finally, Wake Forest was favored against NC State in the fighting Gibbies on the road at NC State. Uh, well, Gibby and company, 30-21 to was the actual result. They held on for a nice win to go 7-2 and over a ranked Wake Forest team. Yes, they did. That was uh, that was a good game. There were some there were some good ones on Saturday. Certainly, it I think was. the S the SEC with those those two top ten matchups kind of dominating the headlines there. But that was a that was a good battle between uh, between NC State and Wake as well too. Uh, all right, Jed, Big Twelve moving and shaking in the conference. Uh, another week of some close games. Another week of some surprising results here. I think as well too. Uh, how do we do across the conference? Yeah, a lot of action uh, outside of West Virginia's game. There were four other matchups within the league. Texas Tech traveling to TCU. We projected a 41-31 to 31 TCU win as they were favored by 10. Well, as it turns out, they did win by 10. The actual result was 34-24. to 24. So, uh, anyway, uh, TCU keeps uh, everybody at arm's length to, uh, to go 8-0 or excuse me, now 9-0 on the season. Baylor on the road at Oklahoma. We projected, as Oklahoma was favored, a 31-27 to Sooners win. Not what played out. Baylor with another big win, 38-35. They're now 6-3. and Again, well-coached team, a pretty complete team. I think they're going to keep on winning some games. Oklahoma State at Kansas. Uh, this is one of the surprising ones, guys. Oklahoma State uh, was favored. This line kind of bounced back and forth. It moved everywhere. Uh, we, we projected a 37-34 Oklahoma State win in a shootout. They got their doors blown off, 37-16. to Of course, I should say Spencer Sanders didn't play. But meanwhile, they're back up through for three bills plus. So there was some production, but, but just not a lot of efficiency on the offense. Hard to say what's going on with that Oklahoma State squad, guys. This is very ungundy-like. Texas on the road at K-State as a three-point dog. Texas with a big road win. Again, this has been one of the shortcomings under Sarkeesian. They played well in Austin, but they haven't played so well on the road. They went on the road into the Little Apple and held on for a big 34-27 win. It came right down to the wire and, and uh, ended with a, a Martinez turnover, right? So maybe some of those old habits from Nebraska are resurfacing, at, resurfacing at poor times for the Wildcats. Yeah, that was – you know what? That was, that was the one that I kind of – 
had circled just to keep an eye on a swing game for both of those programs. You know, you kind of win and you're still on the right track. You lose and all of a sudden maybe you're, you know, a game or two behind where you wanted to be. Uh, Sark finally gets that, that, you know, road wind uh, notch on his belt, if you will, against Mm -hmm. a ranked team, a team that was playing really well in in K-State. Yeah, certainly, certainly a big week here as we uh, enter November across the conference. All right, those are the projections that we make every single week. Not predictions, but these are predictions. Jed tells you his Big 12 signal caller of the week. Of course, which quarterback in the conference will throw for the most yards. And speaking of Mr. Martinez, Jed? Well, let's talk about this. (laughs) I took the approach that I was going to curse Hunter Deckers, and it kind of worked. You know, Hunter Deckers didn't exactly light it up. I, I said, look, if I pick him, there's no way he throws for the most yards because I've yet to pick a winner. Uh, and sure enough, I picked Hunter Deckers for Iowa State to throw for the most. He finished fourth. And as you can see on the graphic, Adrian Martinez, as you touched on, West, big day through the air, 329 yards for K-State against Texas. And then we had a backup quarterback for Oklahoma State, throw for 304 at Kansas, but in a losing effort. Dylan Gabriel continues to play solid football for the Sooners, but in a losing effort against Baylor. But Hunter Deckers comes in at number four, which is good enough in our point system, our scoring system, for two points, and that's all. Get you on the board. Certainly. Now, Owen, this is this is interesting here. Of course, the beer truck of the week. Owen tells us which running back in the conference will rush for the most yards. Big O, just when he was dead to you, I mean, did Devin Neal – not only did he resurrect, I mean, he was like that 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 gif you see all the time of the Undertaker, like, popping up through the through the coffin right there. I mean, he resurrected, man. He's like Jesus and the Undertaker all rolled in one. He on obviously Saturday. listens to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't yeah. happy. He does. He was obviously upset with me and uh, wanted to uh, rub it in a little bit. So he he goes out with the rest of uh, the Kansas team, uh, has a day, right? Has a big day, 224 on the ground, um, and, and and really shows what shows what he can do, right? That's that's what I kind of thought he would do all year. Unfortunately, he just hasn't gotten the touches. Um, you know, they count on him big time. He ends up coming through. Uh, I unfortunately picked uh, the deuces loose, right? And Vaughn, his counterpart, Bijan Robinson, in that game versus uh, Texas, ends up coming in second with the big 209 there on the yardage. Apparently, I hate know nothing about the beer truck of the week. So all your, I up, all your boys that you were picking heavy in early in the season now they're now they're coming yeah, on. Yeah, now they're they're getting their second wind, right? They're yeah. getting their they're getting their second wind and they're and they're bringing it to the table. Uh, that unfortunately leaves me with zero points, and I'm pretty sure Jed and I are are probably tied at this point. So, we'll get to uh, that later in the week. But I'll I, I'll say this: you're kind of the uh, oh I'm trying to think of a, maybe a Glenn Davis. I'm dating myself now, but a power hitter with like a 220 average. But you know you're not. 45 or 50 out of the park i'm like a 250 hitter with no homers and no power and meanwhile here's west he's in the number three spot like like hitting 330 leading the league in yeah yeah yes he is yes he is i commend you i guess you could call me the bad guy here although i will say this is uh you know I'm, i'm in the top three in this in this race and i ain't number two or three all right um I knew that I was either going to curse Iowa State or I was going to finish in first tier. So I guess it was a win-win situation for me. I took the Cyclones as my defense of the week. Pull up the graphic now. You can see that that was the case as they surrendered just 14 points to the Mountaineers. And so that gets me seven points here on the week. Uh, with my third home run, watch out, Aaron Judge. I'm coming for you here, baby. Uh, I can't home like, run off your mom. I mean, come <laughs> on, it's you know that can't feel good, right? <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I mean, sometimes you just got to trot around the bases and, and and smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. Uh, like Jed said, when we have our Oklahoma preview for you here in uh, in the next couple of days, we will uh, we will show the the scoreboards, the standings of our our year long competition here. Uh, later on in the week but that'll do it for our predictions and our projections when we come back here it is time to get into the game recap Uh, what happened against the Cyclones the good the bad the ugly the pivotal moments everything in between we will discuss when we return on the other side Wesley Euler Owen Schmidt Jed Drennick it's ITG 
For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. With more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. Game day got you on the go? We get it. GoMart is here to keep you going all season long with stores throughout our home state. We're a proud West Virginia owned company, and our friendly staff is committed to serving our communities. From fuel to freshly brewed coffee and snacks, a stop at GoMart to cover your game day needs is always a touchdown. Plus, GoMart Rewards members earn points with each purchase to redeem for discounts on gas and free items. So stop by, start saving, and stay on the go with GoMart. It's episode 24 here of ITG. 31-14, to 14, the final score in Ames as the Mountaineers fall to the Cyclones on a ugly... Uh, ugly result there certainly uh, in one of the uh, one of the tougher places to play in the Big 12. They were ready to go for that one. Uh, we do obviously make these these projections as well too for uh, the WVU game. Let's take a look at that here real quick, Jed. Uh, our projection versus the actual result. How do we do? Uh, well, again, we were looking at a projection based on the point spread of something in the ballpark of a 28-21 Iowa State win, which uh, seemed like a lot of points. Uh, and as it turns out, there were more points in that game than uh, than they're actually in the projection than they're actually turned out to be in the real game. But unfortunately, not enough for West Virginia as the real score on the right was 31 to 14, as we all unfortunately recall. But the projection was 28, 21. The actual score 31 to 14. <sighs> all right, let's get into it. Where do you. Oh, oh Jedger, oh, wise one. Well, here, I'll where say do, this. Where, where do we want to start here? I'm going to say a couple quick things, and I'll pass back to you guys, and then I'll expand on my bad, all right? Uh, the good, okay, salty defense for three quarters, 10 to 7 game, into the fourth quarter, played winning football and gave us a chance uh, into that fourth quarter to win this game. Uh, the only thing I can come up with offensively, and it was for a very short spurt, was uh, – Early in the game, we had the running game going before penalties and a host of other things got us bailing out. I think the uh, we'll get into the lack of rhythm, but uh, it was very self-inflicted in the sense that when you have as few snaps as we had, when you have as many three and ounces as we had, you're not going to find any rhythm, much less find any answers. But that running game success, which lasted for maybe a drive and a, and a, and a couple plays, Owen, didn't last long. So that's that's a stretch to even uh, reach for that as some kind of silver lining, but that's the only good that I could come up with, but you guys feel free to pitch in and then jump on it with your bad. Yeah. Um, I was actually in the stand and we were checking the score uh, over the phone and the third quarter was going, I said, okay, we're, we're at least in this game. I ended up driving uh, over to my OC's house and uh, I said, man, we're battling. I said, not bad. And then he look, he he looks at me dead straight in the eyes, and he goes, he goes, bro, we got we got waxed in the fourth quarter. I said, oh no, dude. So then I end up looking at the recap, and I'm like, oh gosh, what happened? We fell apart. I mean, honestly, all game we, I mean, drop passes. You know, like you said, the run game. You know, we were down. We kind of kind of didn't really think there was going to be a lot of surge there anyways, but we just not good football. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I, I I'm with you, Jed. If I'm if I'm you know if I'm if I'm trying to pull some good from that, I I you know the the defense they did their part. They did, and um, you know there is the the other side of that, which I'm sure you'll get into. Of you know at just some point, you know it felt like through a lot of that game, your 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 defense is able to get off the field and they're able to bend but not break, and they're able to keep Iowa State at just ten points heading into the fourth quarter. Kind of like we talked about after the Baylor game, though. This team, the way they're built, um, yeah, it's it's unfair of the defense, but you need more than that. Like, it's not enough just to keep points off the scoreboard. You need splash plays. Uh, you need short fields. You need big momentum change of possessions. And uh, so I'm not crushing the defense. I'm not blaming the defense, certainly. Um, but I also wouldn't call it a complete performance at the same time because just at a couple moments there, an interception, a forced fumble – uh, anything I think could have really, you know, had you in business and given your offense, which was struggling, a short field and an opportunity at maybe a quick strike, or you get a scoop six or something like you did against Baylor and you put some points on the board yourself. Like I said, it's it's unfair to put all of that on them. I'm not blaming them, um, but that's kind of the complete performance, I think, at the same time that, that, that we're going to need to win games this year, and I think that that is – has been proven, uh, but I, I will give them a tip of the cap because without the defense, they they wouldn't have been in that game. Certainly, heading into the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. it would have been manslaughter. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. It wouldn't have been close. And uh, I mean, even for the time that it was close, in the end, it wasn't. But uh, Wes, you you're spot on. It it had the feeling of one of those games that you're like, all right, if we don't find a pulse offensively, this dam's gonna break. Yes. I mean, it had that feeling. I mean, you definitely. I, I mean. For three quarters, we had Iowa State playing the role of everything we said they were. This wretched running game that can't get out of their own way offensively. Their numbers on the ground were atrocious. And 30 of those yards on the ground that were atrocious even came on a reverse. They hadn't run the ball at all through three quarters. And the next thing you know, the defense is on the field and on the field and on the field. And we miss a run fit. Okay, in the post game, Dante even said, hey, that was on me. It was my fit and I missed it. We missed a run fit. They bust a big one. We miss a tackle. They bust another big one. This is all the type of thing that revisit the Baylor game. That's a great example, Wes. What played out in the Baylor game and the reason that we were able to win the Baylor game was the defense did have its moments. Yeah, sure. We gave up a lot of big plays. We gave up a lot of yardage, but we made some plays. We forced three turnovers, right? Uh, Special teams made a play on the blocked kick for the two-point return, right? So the defense did show a pulse at times during the Baylor game, and you kind of got the feeling that had the offense done the same thing in Ames, just showed a pulse. If you can string together a drive in the third quarter when the thing's still hanging in the balance at 10 to 7, at some point for that 15, 20 minute stretch that it did, things could have been different, but we couldn't yeah. do that. We answered with another three and out and another three and out. And we, we couldn't even come close enough to be on the field long enough to try and find some answers. We, we got nothing to work. Uh, we got no production out of virtually anybody on the offensive side. I mean, there were a couple guys up front that I think played okay. But uh, from a skill position standpoint, again, I, I thought that Justin Johnson maybe had a chance once she was announced as starter to step in there and do some things. And he got off to a solid start. But if he, as much as anyone, Owen, was, was victimized by how far off script we fell, how far out of rhythm we got with the lack of snaps and production and conversions. The big thing to me, and I guess this is an opportunity if we haven't already, to dive specifically into the bad. Uh, the big thing to me was a strength of ours throughout the course of the season has been our production on third down. We always kind of lead with that, right? You know, we're around the 50% mark. We're number two in the conference. We're among the national leaders. Well, we knew this was going to be a battle of good on good, okay? Because they're one of the better third down defenses in the Big 12. Well, they didn't just win. They kicked our butt. We were two of 12 on third down. We didn't really give ourselves a chance. And it was a wide variety of third and and, and yardage situations from a third down standpoint. I mean, there were some third and shorts. We converted the first third and two. It gets called back on a holding call in Wyatt Milan. We had some third and third and intermediates. We had some third and longs. Wide array of third down opportunities. And we were two of 12. So that's losing football. That's not good football. That's a dud. Uh, Again, offensively, no rhythm in part because of that. You have to win on third down to find rhythm. If you don't win on third down and you're that decimated and dominated on third down, you're not going to be on the field long enough to find any rhythm. You're not giving yourself a chance. And then obviously 
explosive plays, uh, the lack of explosive plays. Offensively, we certainly didn't make any to help ourselves out because it's so difficult to drive against these guys anyway because of the patience you have to demonstrate, the efficiency you have to, you have to show in moving the sticks on third down. We couldn't do any of those things. And defensively, again, in part because they started to lean on us, in part because the dam was breaking, by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, they did kind of find us. Uh, you know, where they wanted made some big plays. We had a matchup in one situation where we had Muhammad on Xavier Hutchinson out of the spear spot on that touchdown reception. Uh, we had situations where Charles Woods was in and out of the game, dinged up all day. Matter of fact, they pulled him for a while. They had to retape his ankle, put him back out there. So one of the things that I thought had to be a strength of ours turned out to be a banged up commodity trying to hold his own against Xavier Hutchinson. And it could have been far worse. I mean, even, even when the game was still hanging in the balance, this was in the second quarter, I think, guys. We had Iowa State down inside their own 25, and Hutchinson was to our boundary, and over top of him was Charles, okay? And again, Charles was struggling with that ankle issue. Well, what happened was Deckers went to the formation to the field with the ball on a quick screen. Meanwhile, Charles had slipped, and Hutchinson had him beat for a 75, 78-yard touchdown, and Hutchinson was going crazy, smacking his fist again. Charles is fighting that ankle, couldn't keep his feet. Hutchinson makes a move. He reacts. We got away with one there. This could have been worse, okay? Uh, defensively, I'll say this. We held serve, and we kept us in the game for three plays, okay? But we didn't make any big plays. We had a couple sacks. We were somewhat disruptive and knocking them backwards and off script, but no turnovers. And this is no turnovers against a team, an offense, that has committed the most turnovers in the Big 12 Conference. It's against an offense that is led by a quarterback. I think Hunter Deckers is a talented kid, but I also think they're asking too much of him because they've been so one-dimensional. He's thrown more picks than anybody in the league. We kept him, let him maintain control. And then finally, by the time the fourth quarter came around, that's when we were completely a different team defensively and really couldn't wrap up. Our technique started to erode. That's when they started, we started missing gaps and run fits. Uh, and, and that's when they, they got the best of us. But th that's, that's the long and short of it to me from a bad standpoint. I'm sure you guys can, can pile on and find some more. Uh, I mean, Neil didn't find anything good in the postgame presser. I was sitting next to him and, and he kind of said some of what I'm saying now. It was, I challenge you to find a whole lot of positive or much of a silver lining coming out of that football game. Yeah. Uh, offensively, you know, if we could have just showed up and obviously we knew coming in Iowa State stingy on defense, but if we could just score some points, I mean, uh, and just do what we've kind of been doing. I mean, uh, offensively and, and score, you know, a quarter, right? Get those touchdowns in when we can, but just couldn't, like you said, get in those rhythms. Um, unfortunately, run game, you know, how much can you really put on a kid? who hasn't gotten a lot of snaps, um, you know, uh, you, you want to, you hope for the best for that kid to come in be able to make the plays and step up when he needs to. Um, and then, you know, as a defense and just from back in the day when I was playing, um, you know, it's disheartening when you're doing your job and you, you know, you're holding your own obviously and keeping the game close and offensively, they're just it's like they didn't even show up to the game at all um and yeah. it's just so disheartening you know what i mean and then obviously it looked like mentally and physically we just got tired in the fourth quarter and ended up uh you know that's what ends up happening well when not only could we not score offensively we couldn't even impact field position that's what i mean you like i mean it was like in the first can, half there like was this we, one sequence let's go ahead yeah, we can't – I mean, when he can't move the ball, I mean, it's just like – it's just so – man, it's been a struggle this year. And it, you'd you'd think at least we'd show up and, and do what – somewhat of what we did, you know what I mean? Scoring only, you know, what was it, 10 points we got? 14 by the end, yeah, but it was 10 happened. Yeah, One of the sequences 14. I remember where we had them pinned, and this was a, you know, a 10-7 game in the first half. Points were very much at a premium – possessions were at a premium and one time early in the game we had them pinned defensively deep in their own territory and we made them punt from deep in their own territory and i'm like all right this if it's this if that's the style of game this is going to be all right well, let's get the ball midfield let's move it a little bit maybe get it field but instead 
they punted from deep in their own territory. They three and outed us. We punted back. Then they gained 20 yards the next time. Then they punted again. And the next thing you know, we're punting to them and they're getting at midfield and they're driving in for a score. That's the type of, we couldn't even impact from a hidden yardage standpoint, the field position, much less score. So that's what was frustrating about it. We couldn't even get a pulse. We couldn't even find a pulse. I mean, if you can just battle and fight and survive and stay on the field long enough and win just one or two of those third downs, then maybe what happens is you start to flesh this thing out and you start to discover some answers. But one thing a defense can do to completely keep you answerless for the balance of 60 minutes is not let you run many snaps. And when they're three and out, we had a point in the fourth quarter where we had, I think, about as many first downs as we had three and outs. That's what everybody's talking about. The TV broadcast was mentioning it. I had people texting me about it. So when you get that late in the game and you had single-digit first downs, I mean, that's an issue. That's an issue for a host of reasons, not only because you can't impact field position, you can't impact scoring, but you're not even able to see what they're trying to do to you. I mean, I would say John Haycock might have had some of his best stuff left in his pocket by the end of the game. He didn't need to use it, you know, uh, because of the, the, the minimum number of snaps that, that, we, that they even faced as a team. So, I mean, when you run 49 plays as a team, the defense doesn't have to roll out a whole lot of different looks against you. Yeah. Oh, yeesh. I, I'm also, too, just to piggyback on the pain here. I, you know, we, we talk a lot on this show, guys, and at least maybe not a lot. I, I'm probably exaggerating there, but we've mentioned this a few times that progression isn't always linear, right? How sometimes people think progression just means on a week to week basis, you're always going to look a little bit better. Uh, week to week, we're going to look a little bit better than we did last week. Progression's not always that simple. Sometimes, right, it's three steps forward and then a step back, and then two steps mm-hmm. forward and then a step back, and then five steps forward and then three steps back. Progression isn't always linear, but I the inconsistency with the offense is, is concerning to me at this point. Um, you know, I, I think after what we all saw the first two weeks, uh, starting up in pit on that Thursday night game in week one when offense is, is – usually really bad across college football in week one, right? Because these teams don't have preseason games like they do in the NFL. It takes a little bit longer for the offense to get their legs underneath them than the defense. Uh, and then the, the performance against Kansas, right? And and even some of the things you're able to do against Virginia Tech as well, too. It, it just, to me, it felt like in those first four weeks of the season, okay, you know, we, we've got some growing pains on defense, clearly. We've got a really young secondary who, yeah, they're experienced, but they're not experienced at this level, and we've had a lot of turnover there, and we've been hit hard in the portal, and it's going to take some time for the defense, but we're going to be able to lean on the offense. They're going to be able to keep us in games. They're going to be exciting. They're going to be explosive, and it just feels like that's regressed. And like I said, I know that progression isn't always linear just because, you know, we scored – 31 points week one and then 42 points week two and then lit it up against Towson. That, that doesn't mean that that was always going to continue to grow without steps back and without down weeks. But it's just I was convinced, again, after the first three, four weeks of this season that it was going to be a struggle on defense, but that the offense was going to be able to do enough. They were going to be able to score enough points consistently for us to at least stay competitive in, in these games. And, you know, three of our last five games now, we've we've been – non-competitive and that might be a bit of an exaggeration for Iowa State because it was a three-point game going into the fourth quarter but non-competitive in terms of the final score certainly Um, and I think a big part of that has been inconsistency on offense the explosion isn't there and I know the injuries are there as well too but it's also week nine or week ten in in college football the defenses are are banged up as well no one's 100% healthy this time of year that's that's just the reality Um, I'm I'm a little discouraged by what has you know been what feels like tangible progress and improvement for this offense throughout the season? Well, I'll say this: uh, consistency's been an issue offensively for sure, uh, and for that matter, d- defensively. You know, oh, we've, yeah, we've, we've ebbed and flowed. It's both sides of the ball. Yeah, we thought we found a path, all right, to maybe what good could look like with this team against Baylor against a good Baylor team and a big win. We thought we found, okay, it's one thing, if you want to play this bend but don't break style, and even if you give up some points, some significant points, that's fine. But the trade-off has to be you have to find a way to steal some possessions with two or three turnovers. Uh, and in the Baylor game, they did that. They forced three turnovers. They scored on one of them. That hasn't been there 
all along. Not only has that not been there, uh, but some of the other effectiveness hasn't been there from a tackling standpoint. Uh, and, and then obviously, as you touched on, the offense is struggling with the defense. That's just the thing, guys. We can't seem to sync it up, okay? In other words, we, we, we bailed ourselves out a couple times with one unit playing when the other unit didn't really bring, bring its best football. But it hasn't. It, it's victimized us far more than we than we've survived it. Uh, I, I'd say maybe one of the only times that you could say we came close to, for the better part of sixty minutes, playing effective football on both sides was probably Virginia Tech. You know, against an FBS opponent, I'd say probably Virginia Tech. You know, we could have scored again at the end there, right? Yeah. Uh, and that was a pretty unilateral beatdown uh, had some, on the had road. Some drives that stalled there too, where you settled yeah. for three and yeah. felt like you should yeah, exactly. punch it in. Yeah, exactly. We moved the ball uh, again. They were a two and one team at the time, giving their us their best shot in prime time. They still believed in themselves. They hadn't been beat up by the schedule yet. So, yeah, I'd say that's the closest this team has come. The defense played well. The offense played well. Uh, special teams, we, we muffed the punt. And it, it went out of bounds. Lady Luck even smiled upon us in that game. But outside of that, it's been a function of, okay, well, maybe one shows up and the other one doesn't. I mean, right. even the other night, you know, it, it reminded me in one sense of, and we'll get to the, the pivotal moment, which I'll be surprised if we don't have the same one here. But there was a moment that was similar in this game to the pit game in that we had a fourth and one situation and punted and pinned the opposition deep. And they drove the length of the field after pinning them deep. In other words, you roll the dice and say, Hey, your defense is playing well. Your punter's playing well. Can you pin them? Well, against Pitt, we rolled the dice and said, yeah, we pinned them at the eight and they drove 92 yards. And after our defense had snuffed them out for three straight possessions, something similar happened here. But we'll get into that. Yes, we will. In fact, you want to go there right now? You want to go to Pivotal Let's go. Moments? Let's do it. Uh, Jed, I think we actually have a different one here based based off your little tease there. So why don't you – go ahead. You you were you were hitting at it there a little bit. What do you got for Pivotal Moment? Real quick, brought to you by our friends at High Street Prints. Make sure you're checking them out, highstreetprintshop.com, for all your printing and merchandise needs. Of course, if you go on itgfootball.com, you click on Shop. We've got hats. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got polos all provided by the good people at High Street Prince. Mr. Signal Caller, your pivotal moment was? Well, we had a sequence, again, when it was still a 10-7 to 7 game. You're going late into the third quarter, early into the fourth. And, uh, you know, we, 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 Iowa State had been pinned at their own six-yard line with a, with a kick. We, we, we decided to punt on fourth and one at our 33. Some suggested, hey, maybe roll the dice. Yeah, I don't know the defense is playing well. You know, uh, Ollie Straw is playing lights out. You know the uh, the Australian uh, sniper. So he pin he punts and, and boots it and pins him down at the six. Well, the defense rises to the occasion and gets a stop and forces a fourth and seven at the Iowa State twenty-one. And when they punt, wouldn't you know it, roughing the punter on Reese Smith. Okay, so so we, that extends we are on the, the drive. Same page here. <laughs> that gives them new life. Okay. And so a sequence that started with them pinned at their own six, 94 yards away, suddenly finds them first and 10 at their own 36, two plays later. If that didn't break the spirit of the defense, it certainly seemed to break their back. Two plays later, Deion Stylus, 38 yards, busts a run. First time they looked decent all night running the football, and this is early in the fourth quarter. Four plays after the block punt. Hunter Deckers to Xavier, Xavier Hutchins for the 24-yard touchdown. They're up 17-7, and basically that's ballgame because the defense that we knew and loved for three-plus quarters was gone after that. But that blocked punt seemed to have some kind of effect in that two plays later, huge play in the run game, four plays later, capping off the drive in the past game. And again, much like the situation at Pitt where we rolled the dice on fourth and one to see if we can pen them and benefit from it, well, we pinned them, and we didn't benefit from it. The, you know, the, the defense had them stopped after a situation that started at the six, then the fake punt extended it, and it results in a basically an extended 94-yard drive that was aided and abetted by the uh, blocking, the running into the kicker, blocking, roughing the kicker, I should say. And that's, is that where you're at, Wes? Yes, sir, it is. You, you dressed it up a little bit. A little bit okay. nicer than, than I would have. Yes, um, I was not going to bring in the reference of, of once again a punt situation working out well. I like how you did that. I was just going to go with quite simply Reese Smith roughing the kicker 
like you said, two plays later they bust a big one, four plays later they score a touchdown. And then, as you referenced earlier in the episode, Jed, how even though the defense was hanging hanging yeah. in there and keeping you alive, it still felt like you, you were just one moment away from Iowa State from that dam breaking and from them busting that thing open. And I think we all kind of – when that when that flag came out of the pocket on 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 roughing the kicker there, we all I think kind of felt like that was the moment. And then four plays later, we were we were proven correct there. I I'll just double back to the last time yeah, I felt like that in a two possession game, which was at the time. But I want to hear Owen's pivotal moment first. No, basically the 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 big drive, the ninety four yard drive, right? So and not so much, uh, you know, obviously the 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 special teams that, that kills you, but just being so late in the game and them, you know, mustering up a long drive after we've, you know, played pretty stout defense thus far. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, can't have it. You can't, you know what I mean? And it just is, is, as far as the defense, you, you know, you almost feel bad because they had done such a great job and we just, you know, once that happened, I was like, well, we're not going to do anything offensively anyways. So it, it kind of just set the, set the deal. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the way you pointed out, obviously, you know, lady luck a little bit on their side there, uh, and another special teams follow-up, which has kind of haunted us a little bit, uh, all year. Well, there was, there was a lot at play to dive deeper into that. And again, you got to take better angles. I mean, you got to be more disciplined in your angles and, and projecting where the ball's going to be, not where it is. I mean, oh, and you've been a central part of special teams units, but it's this is a team, an Iowa State team, that had multiple blocks, kicks blocked going into the game. And guys, if you saw that long snapper, he was daring you to get back here and block a kick. I mean, he was lobbing those things back here. Yeah. If you remember early in the game, we had a running into the kicker. Fortunately, it was fourth and six, and it didn't convert for him. They still punted out, or they declined it actually because they liked the punt. But you really felt we were going to get to one. You know, Anthony Del Greco almost got that first one. But recess take a better angle. Uh, but but that kind of got the best of us there. So there was a lot of give and take on those special teams. But the last time, it, here's what was so frustrating about it. It, it. it was signs of the Jordan Leslie defenses we'd seen in the previous two years. I mean, for three quarters, that's kind of what it felt like. You know, it felt like the 2020 team that led the nation in pass defense. It felt like the team that the last three years led pro football focus in the Big 12 and tackling efficiency grade. I mean, for three quarters, that's what the defense felt like, and we still weren't able to capitalize on it. And there haven't been a whole lot of turnover time with the turnovers and the injuries on the defensive side with the personnel turnover and then the injuries that we've had moments that felt like the great successes we've had in the last couple of years defensively this year, those have been few and far between, but it felt like, it. but because of the offensive struggles, we were struggling to such a degree that it was 10 to seven. And here comes the, the roughing the kicker. Here comes the two big plays and the touchdown that made it 17 to seven it, guys. It felt like it was 56 to seven because yeah, of the way the, the last time I felt like that, I can tell you when it was the champ sports bowl. Okay. Uh, part of that Russell second Wilson. half. Yeah, the Russell Wilson Champ Sports Bowl. I mean, we kind of had him corralled. That was that nationally ranked defense we had with Jeff Castile in 2010 with Chris Seven, seven guys on that defense took snaps on Sundays in the league. That's, that's exactly right. You know, number four, number three in the country and a lot of key metrics. But they ran into Mr. Unlimited. Well, even then, they, they kept him under control. I mean, he didn't really dominate us. We, no, did. we kept him within arm's length. But it was 23 to seven for a good portion of the second half, which theoretically is a two possession game, even when it, even when it was 16 to seven, because you're thinking, all right, touchdown, two point conversion, touchdown PAT. But it, it felt like it was 123 to seven because the offense couldn't do anything. We were anemic in that champ sports bowl. You know, that's before Gino and those guys got lathered up and cranking under Dana. But that's what it felt like on Saturday. It felt it was 17 to seven. And because of our struggles offensively, you just oh, – you're like, wow, it feels a lot worse than it actually is because we've struggled so mightily on the offensive side of the ball to get anything going. You know, and like we talked before, this team just doesn't have that uh, – Alpha. That one player, right, that uh, that guy that you could, you just know it's there's going to be a positive play that's going to happen from somebody, right, whoever that guy is on your team. We just don't have that star player. And, uh, you know, like I said, man, they go down, they have their way with you. 
after a, a you know what seems like just our luck this year a bonehead play uh yeah yeah and then it doesn't help obviously right i mean that makes it 17 to 7 at that point there's still 13 minutes in the game so hypothetically if you oh plenty of game left absolutely plenty, plenty of game left and JT throws bang, 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 three straight incomplete passes. You punt it right back to them. They drive down the field and score again, and then it was definitely over. Um, but, yeah, that as well, too. Listen, there's there's always a lot of things that go into that. Um, but from, you know, from from the Reese Smith penalty and then four plays later, they they're finally got some cushion there with a 10-point lead. And then four plays later, they've got the ball back once again. That, that whole sequence was the uh, – the straw that broke the camel's back certainly so there's our pivotal moments the good the bad the ugly everything in between oh, i want to check to, something here guys I need, they go, had, I need to go i need to go have a beer and a lie down after rehashing all of that uh, well they had in the fourth quarter again after that punt um they they had two two runs from scrimmage and we completely bottled them up for three quarters they had the reverse for 27 yards that's that's the only time they did anything in the run game for three quarters and then in the fourth quarter they popped not one but two 30 plus yard runs guys all year long they only have four and two of them came in the fourth quarter after that that running into the kicker that blocked or excuse me roughing the kicker i keep miscalling that and butchering it but two of their four 30 plus yard runs from scrimmage as an offense this year came in the fourth quarter after we roughed the kicker. Yep. And like I said, if that didn't break the spirit of our defense, which seemed like it was on a thread, I mean, it, again, it had the sense you're waiting on the dam to break if they can't get some offensive help. It certainly, you know, broke their their execution because our, our technique wasn't there after that. I mean, everything that got us to that point uh, that they, they, say they, they did so well at and were so efficient at through three-plus quarters, it vanished quickly. It was just the strain. That was the straw that broke the defensive camel's back. The strain was too much. And, and uh, you know, you got to wonder what happens if instead of a roughing, that's a punt, blocked punt, you know? Well, that gives you the spirit, right? That's the juice. Right, that's what I'm saying, Owen. You're exactly that's, right. Don't you think the defense, power, let's say we the... blocked a punt, we go up 14 to 10. Don't you think the defense we saw for the first three quarters might continue for another oh, 14 yeah. minutes? Oh, it's gonna fire you up, dude. That's yeah, that's exactly. what I mean. You got it. Because finally they in. finally they're going hunting instead of instead yeah, of protecting exactly. the fort. Good yeah. way of putting yep. it. Good way of putting it. Yeah. Yep. Oof. And that's what Reese Smith had in mind, obviously. He didn't go in there with the intention of, hey, let me give them a free pass, another set of downs to the 36. He went in down to thinking, hey, our offense is struggling, and I'm gonna sell out to try and make a play and help us win. But again, poor angle, you know poor discipline on but, on but jed just even that same thing yeah hey make a play but still got to execute within the rules smarter. of the game you know what i mean those guys practice that stuff that ain't smarter, you know what i mean that's not uh like i said it's not something new you know what i mean be. no that, you know that ain't something new that just you know blocking the punt there they those guys work on that stuff um throughout the week uh in special teams periods so, you know, it just seems like we just aren't getting those plays this year uh, that, that gives you that juice. That, that's, like I said, that star power. You guys have, have never been part of these drills. Again, Owen, you played a lot of special teams, but for our listeners and viewers that, that have never really taken part of this, when, when you set a target up for those edge blockers, it's amazing when you look at the angle they're supposed to take to block the punt because you're thinking, what are you doing sending there that – the, the punters at a depth of 15 yards, that's nowhere near where that – exactly. This is where the ball, the launch point from the ball is by the time it leaves his foot. So what happened was Reese Smith, instead of taking that ideal angle that is so shallow, okay, where the launch point would be, he miscalculated the angle. And he didn't hit it where the punter started, but obviously he hit it too close to where the punter was and instead hitting the launch point at the punter. But, yeah, because a lot of time, well, most, well, really, that's in the scouting report uh, for special teams right away. They're going to tell you where that that points at, and, and then, it. yeah, I mean, you're going to rep that. I mean, that's that's all we can practice, you know. And then uh, most of the time, those plays are, you know, that angle or whatever that approach is still just to take the ball off the kicker's foot. You know what I mean? Uh, if anything, if there is a miss. 
you know, you're going to miss in front, right? It's just basically your hands are going in front. They're going to cross them up. Uh, and, uh, and the miss is usually in front, right? It's never behind. Uh, Let me ask you something, Owen. Yep. You may know the answer to this because I don't, okay? I'm not sure. Now, all that, again, this is, this is information that's well-documented. It's in the scouting reports. You rep it all week. So you're anticipating a certain depth when you go to block a punt, when you're on the pump block unit. What kind of impact do you think a, a, a long snapper that is uncharacteristically slow? I mean, that, that I'm telling you, that long snapper was lobbing those things back there. And I can't imagine there's a lot of consistency with his snap number one to his snap number four or seven. I wouldn't hear, I, all I can tell you is that's the slowest long snapper I've seen in a long time. Do you think there's a chance that because that snap takes so long to reach the punter, that could on some, I don't know the answer. Could that somehow impact? Because it's not getting there as crisply as it normally would. And you're thinking, okay, it's going to get there quickly. I'm going to go here instead of there. I don't know the answer. Here's what I say. I guess if we recap that play and you looked up the film, regardless of how fast the snap takes, right, the uh, the timing of the kick is going to be the same, right? So, yeah, the, from the snap to the kicker is going to be slower, but the actual kick itself is going to run the same amount of time every time because, right, because he has an internal clock. Once he gets the ball, hey, it needs to be out. So that that uh, sequence from the snap to the punter, that's one calculation. And then from the punter to the foot is another calculation. So if anything, uh, the slower, right, wouldn't be on the punter, right? The slower would be on the snapper. So if anything, it would give us more time to get to the ball uh, to make that play. Well, that's interesting because both those things contribute to your target spot. Yeah, absolutely. Words, yeah. But if you but, think about it, the, yeah. the, the way the kicker's punting, his is going to be the same rep every time. Yeah. regardless of how fast he gets the ball right now if it was something where it was a you know like a high snap or something like that where he had to jump up you know he might go into maybe a one-step kick and versus it would that. a two-step because as a blocker yeah if you're reese smith i mean you're not waiting on the punter to catch it you're you, your reps are all coming on the snap yeah you're, you're firing you're, off the edge as, yep. the, as that loopy snap is yep. taking place so anything that takes place after that, you're still hitting that same target point. Yeah. So if anything, maybe you should have been out in front of it instead of back toward the punt, right? It's just, yeah. like I said, it, it, it's been a long time since I saw a long snapper who made me even consider these things because I'm thinking that's the best guy on your roster to do that. I almost think you could have tryouts from the stands here and find somebody that could, that could zip it back here with a little more pepper than, than what we were seeing. But again, they've had three blocked this year. Uh, well, and that's probably a big reason why, obviously. I mean, guys get drafted to be snappers. I mean, oh, that's yeah. how that's how important that position has become. Uh, and you can play a long time and make a lot of money uh, in the league doing that. Was it last week or two weeks ago uh, that – I don't know who he plays for, but he's like in the top five all-time of games played. He's still in the league. And he just like eclipsed somebody to, to move into the top so-and-so. But you're right. I mean, that's if you want to train your, your kid to do something and do it well – and, and refine one craft, okay, uh, that could make them a lot snap of money. That ball, baby. I mean, snap that ball. I mean, become a long snapper. That is a very unique skill set and a unique art. And if you can become dedicated enough to it, uh, boy, you're going to find your place in this athletic world, in this, this world of college football, maybe beyond. But, but uh, yeah, it's just so strange to walk into a situation where you see a Power 5 program uh, without somebody whipping it on back there, you know. Yeah, if you guys want some good reading material, uh, anybody listening to the channel, uh, look up a story. John Dornboss uh, was a long snapper for the Eagles. He's a, he's a good story. John Dornboss? Is he still in the league? No, he, he, he is no longer. He's retired, yes. But uh, he just a just a interesting story, so definitely check him out. I mean, those guys have, have shelf life. Guys. A buddy of mine coached a kid at Shippensburg that he was in the league forever and a day as a long snapper, you know, but. Yep. Anyway, this is uh, the longest conversation. This I've is ever long snapping long radio yeah. here on. Yeah, IG. Yep. Sorry about that, guys. No, I I knew you'd know more about it than I would just because the reps you've taken in those segments. But yeah. well, I was trying to do that at the end of my pro career to try to hang on and uh, 
and to maybe even change up to where that would give me some more longevity. Just never got a chance to put a live rep on film. Hmm. Well, maybe There's we'll an episode. To, maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to change that. I was just gonna say maybe yeah. we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to work on that this summer. We got to get to our last break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll wrap things up. We'll tell you what we got going on the rest of the week. Uh, we'll put a bow on all these shenanigans. You are in the gun. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Mountaineer Nation, have you visited us online? For great gifts and gear and our entire episode playlist, check out itgfootball.com. All right, folks. Well, we got through it together. Episode 24 here, the Iowa State recap. Thanks again to our buddies at Bet Online for presenting this episode. Gentlemen, some some good news quick before we go and we tease everything and we got, you know, telling telling everybody here what's going on the rest of the week. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this today, but Sunday night as we record this, uh, WVU women's soccer team won the Big 12 championship earlier today. Yeah. So uh, in overtime against TCU, so a big shout-out to, to Nikki Izzo-Brown and the girls there. Uh, fifth time capturing the, the Big 12 title in the, uh, in the last decade. Is that pretty good? I think that's pretty good. Big one over Texas to get there. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, that was, that was quite a stretch they went on there. Yeah. I need to start watching soccer. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. Go ears, baby. Both the, so you have women's team, Big 12 champions. Uh, the men's team's into the semifinals of, of their tournament in the Sun Belt. So, yeah, up the up the footy in Morgantown. And, uh, and Jack Elliott, who is a WVU alum, scored a huge goal in the MLS Cup final for uh, for the Philadelphia Union on Sunday as well, or on uh, Saturday as well, too. So, hey, football school, just Maybe maybe the different kind of football here temporarily football. temporary football <laughs> school, um, so we'll have full Oklahoma for, preview for you later on in the week. Uh, you're getting which, the which recap episode here a little early this week. Begs the question. I, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be a lot of chatter about when you know when you when you uh, when you find yourself in a slump like this. Okay, there's very fair. Is that what they're calling this, Jed? <laughs> well, that's what I would call it. Okay. Okay. I just, I mean, you're the signal caller, so I... Is, I, being, is being last I'm, in the Big 12. Look, I'm in last place <laughs> scoring is, is Don't give me that. that. Hey, but, Jed knows uh, last place, Ellen. Hey, he knows yeah. last place. Somewhat, <laughs> yeah, I do know. You're somewhat limited in changes you can or can't make, even from an injury standpoint. But, I mean, maybe you're looking at some personnel changes. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Listen, consistency. All right, let's just start there. Yeah, we'll see if anything switched around or if there's any philosophical changes to uh, to reinvigorate some things or but, you know, we're on a skid and things haven't worked in some time. I mean, you know, we came out of the Baylor game and it looked like that was new life and that new life was very short lived by that performance in Lubbock, which was followed by the frustration against TCU, a missed opportunity there. And then this and other missed opportunities. So uh, it's, it's fair to say, OK, well, maybe shake some things up and and take a different approach. Uh, against an Oklahoma team that's that's eager uh, to stay unbeaten as in Big 12 play against West Virginia coming to Morgantown. We'll see. I mean, nobody has those answers at this juncture, but but it's fair to entertain those conversations. Invite Wes and I up to give you all the special sauce. I'll be Are you there. coming? I'll be there. Are you coming? For the OU game? That's next it's week, it, isn't it? Okay, some people will say an open invitation is no invitation, but you have an open invitation. You realize that, right? Okay. Now, see, some people say it's not an invitation. An open invitation is not an invitation. No, you have an open invitation, and it is an invitation. Get to Morgantown. We might have to. I might have to bring the power. 
we do have a we do have a big playoff game Friday against South Harrison. So, South Harrison just smoked us, so Tucker County. Yeah, we do have a big just smoked big, us. Yep, we ended we us our first loss Friday night. Yep. So I will be. Uh, Thankfully, they went for the Friday night game. So Friday, seven thirty, South Harrison first playoff game of the of the uh, playoffs for us. So hopefully, I'll come bearing good news. Those dudes. Just, as soon as the game's over, you get in the car, you drive to Morgantown, you sleep in the parking lot for a few hours. I'll I'll knock on your door there you about, go. about eight <laughs> eight thirty about eight eight thirty with some cold ones. Hey, right right where it'll come full circle. Right where we filmed our first promo video next to the porta potty in the blue lot. Right. Yes. Looking, looking at Milan Pushkar Stadium from the hospital side. We'll we'll pound beers and say where it all began. Mountaineer Field where in the background. There you go. Well, I will be there. Hopefully, Owen will be there. We know Jed will be perusing the sidelines. I'll be in the peach lot poking around if you want to come look for some ITG trouble. Well, Santa didn't come through. Remember Santa last Claus. week, Santa made a, Owen made a Santa wish. But I will say this. Oh, yeah, he might not right. have come through with the win that you wished for. But Owen, you inspired my wife. We got Christmas decorations out front of the house. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy about that? I wish I would have plugged him in. He sings songs and like does a bunch of crazy stuff. But we have time. time. We'll have we'll have, have Chris, we'll have Christmas episodes next. But listen, oh, yeah. don't don't jump the gun on Thanksgiving here. All right, now just just <laughs> settle down. Let's get through November first, Mariah Carey. All right, before you start, before oh, you start. You know, okay. Oh my goodness! I saw a funny joke today. It said, "It said I can't believe that Mariah Carey is more synonymous with Christmas now than Santa and Jesus Christ." And I was like, "Oh, oh my no. goodness! What are we? What are we doing here, Mariah?" Now I don't know if I should go watch uh, uh, Elf or Zohan. Now you know. I'm, now you got me confused. You should go watch. Oh. You should go watch the end of this Sunday night football game between uh, the Chiefs and the Titans. That's that's what I'm going to do go. as soon as we get off here recording. Uh, thanks everybody for rocking and rolling with us. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors and our friends who helped put this uh, put this podcast on. As always, make sure you're rocking and rolling with us on social media at In the Gun Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's where you can find us on YouTube as well too. If you want to see our beautiful mugs and uh, all the different graphic elements that Jed puts together uh, for this episode and of course as always be an ear tell an ear we ask you to spread the good word um of your new favorite wvu football podcast here as we uh, as we roll along in our inaugural season we will have the oklahoma preview for you uh in just a couple days here enjoy the week one more time shout out to the uh, women's soccer team and nikki Izzo brown for bringing home the title baby trophy season and uh and uh yeah basketball starting here as well too good things are on the horizon all right good things are on the horizon but that'll do it for us this week well sorry for this episode part of me we'll talk to you later in the week for jed drenning the signal caller and owen schmidt the runaway beer truck i'm wesley euler you've been in the gun thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.